Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. James Bond is coming back to the big screen in cinemas in the UK, and we're hoping to go to every one of the 25 films. Join us as we celebrate the 60th anniversary of our favourite British agents by watching them all in order. We hope you guys are watching them too, so please let us know your thoughts. You can find us on social media at Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, and our podcast is available on iTunes and Spotify, as well as video episodes on YouTube. Simply search for Really 007 Pod. The 21st James Bond marks perhaps the biggest change in direction of the series. We had a new Bond in the form of Daniel Craig and a reboot with Casino Royale. Part two. You know, I think I'll call that a Vespa. Because of the bitter aftertaste? No. Because once you've tasted it, that's all you want to drink. <laughs> well, that was quite a good line. It was a very good line. But you're laughing at it. Not so much it as you. Oh, well, that's fine. <laughs> I figured out what that is. It's an Algerian love knot. Really? I thought it was just something pretty. No, you didn't. Someone gave that to you. He's a very lucky man. You can switch off so easily, can't you? It doesn't bother you, killing those people. Well, I wouldn't be very good at my job if it did. I don't believe you. You've got a choice, you know. Just because you've done something doesn't mean you have to keep doing it. Why is it people who can't take advice always insist on giving it? You think I can't take my own advice? I think something is driving you. And I think I'll never find out what that is. Well, I was going to go on Saturday evening with John and Matt to watch Casino Royale, but plans changed and I'm now here 
on Tuesday night. Now, normally, if it's a Tuesday night, I go and watch it with the guys from Really 007 and, and often Sam Rogers, who's an honorary member, of course, now of the group. But unfortunately, that hasn't been able to happen either. So I'm on my lonesome and I'm at Rochdale. I'm at the Odin in Rochdale. Now, the last time I was here, the only time I've been before, was an amazing experience. I was, I was full of a cold and it was almost cured by watching Live and Let Die on the big screen. So that was an amazing experience and I can't think it's going to be quite the same tonight and that's, uh, that's nothing against the film itself but it's not really that kind of tone, is it? So we'll see, we'll see what I'm in store for tonight. Going into the film Casino Royale, I've had a very, very up and down relationship with the film. If you have heard our review, our really long review of Casino Royale, it's one of the two Daniel Craig films we have done a, a massive review of then you'll know it's it's a it's a complicated film and it's a complicated film in terms of feelings growing up as a Bond fan when we were Bond fans growing up we of course were well it was it, we were obsessed with the the original films you know with Sean Roger and then Pierce of course as he came on the big screen and we yeah we were not for six really when Casino Real came out because it, it changed it up so much and it didn't quite feel like the bond we grew up with and the bond that we loved. It was more serious, and I still think it's a lot more serious than, say, Licence to Kill, which is another one that has got critical acclaim for being a solid character piece. This one is more serious, and there are moments of light relief, you know, for instance, in the Caribbean when he's playing with the, the keys of the car. I think that's a great scene. And there's, there's great humour in Bond and... Vesper's relationship and it's it's going to be really interesting to see back on the cinema because it was such a, a conflicting experience when I first saw it at the premiere in Bury when it was at the Pillsworth if anyone knows that it's now gone into the town centre and it was weird I think we may have watched it before a night out in Bury and there was myself I think there was Harry and Math possibly Rob possibly Jack and we would got excited for it based on the song and I still think the song is one of the best I think it's so good Chris Cornell who people don't really seem to mention much that he's tragically died that never gets mentioned anymore what a loss it's a great song and I remember listening to that in the car for the premiere of, of that and we were like oh wow this is going to be great because we weren't really sold on Daniel Cray we didn't really know who he was we, did, we hadn't judged him based on his acting just based on the look and the sort of, I don't know, the aura around him. But it was clear that you can tell when someone's had a bad reaction that the press are going to absolutely love them and root for them. So we knew that the critical darlings would be really going in for him, which was good, and he had that on his side, and it was time to deliver. And I remember thinking when we first watched it, the first half, it was like, wow, this, is, this isn't that different. This is a proper solid... Bond film, in fact a bit better than the solid Bond film and that Martin Campbell is sort of redoing all the, the great work he did in Goldeneye and reintroducing a new Bond but still retains some of that classic elements. I think it was the the second half gets pretty depressing, pretty not not easy to watch, you know, the torture scene, quite a few violent fights, the relationship with Vesper gets a bit a bit unusual. I always go back to the scene in Como in the the huge wheelchair as Harry's obsessed with. That the dialogue's a bit weird and and it just becomes a bit on a Majesty's, but 
not quite as good, you know, with the sort of the music and everything. And then the ending, we were thinking, because it's still a Bond film, it's going to have this massive ending, this massive action set piece. Because I remember Rob saying that the trailers in those days always used to show you little glimmers, to quote Christmas Jones, of the best scenes in the film, the most memorable scenes, the most iconic moments, and the big set pieces. And I always remember that Rob said, you can tell there's going to be one big one that they hold back, they always hold one back, and I can't wait to see it. And we were sort of really felt let down by the fall of a house in Venice, and it sort of had this depressing ending. And yes, it's in the book, of course, The Death of Vesper, but it it just didn't feel like a Bond film, the last half, and... I remember kids watching it were just running around playing in the aisles. They were completely bored in the second half because it, it's not a film for kids. It's, a, it's an adult film. And that is not... That, I'm not having a go at it. That just shows you how different it is. So I was, a bit, I was a bit annoyed with it. And then as it went on and the quantum I really didn't like, and that sort of set off my declining love for the Bond series, I suppose. So it's quite a personal journey. Now, when we started this again, of course, this podcast that I thought, got to watch these films again in context now. Try and put your prejudices aside. Mark Kermode will always say, whatever you put into the film, that's what you'll get back. So if you go into it thinking, yes, everyone says it's an amazing film, appreciate it for what it is. Forget what's gone before and what's gone after and enjoy it. And that's all the more so now because of No Time to Die because you might think all the good work in this has been undone by the decisions in that film. So it'll be an interesting experience tonight watching it at the cinema again, because when I've seen it, I think I've seen it two or three times since we started the podcast, maybe twice. One of them was with Jennifer, and I really loved it, you know, and, and she, she was really into the film. She, she was hoping to come tonight, but she couldn't in the end because of work. And watching it through someone else's eyes who's being positive really helps you with it. And that, and that's the case with any film, and that, and that has made me feel a lot better about Casino Royale. Yes, there are still things that, that irk me. I hate that torture sheet scene. I can't stand it. I don't like how he's laughing throughout it. I know that's the joke, but it just, it just feels so unbond, and it, you lose all the tension in the scene once he starts laughing for me. And the fact that there's no main villain in the last third, there's no base, there's no sort of big gadgets, there's no massive amount of humour, means you've really got to step up. If you watch it like me as a proper traditional Bond fan, you've got to sort of forget all that now and just enjoy it for what it is. And I've learned to do that, and I think it is a cracking film. It's not ever going to be in my top ten, it's not ever one that I'll throw on, because it is such a difficult, arduous film to watch. But I do appreciate what it's done. I think with hindsight now, after the four that I've gone after, it's looking even better. It's 16 years now, isn't it, since it came out, and that has been a long time. We've only had four more films in that time, which is very disappointing. So I'm going to judge Casino Royale again on its merits, going into this, as we always do on the big screen, in the right spirits. We did it with Dine of the Day. Heck, we can do it again with Casino Royale. So I'll let you know how we get on. Say we, it's just me, after I've seen the film. Wow. You've taken good care of you, buddy. You know, 
I never understood all these elaborate tortures. It's the simplest thing to cause more pain than a man can possibly enjoy. And of course, it's not only the immediate agony, but the knowledge that if you do not yield soon enough, there will be little left to identify you as a man. The only question remains, will you yield in time? I want the money. been to see Casino Royale at the Odeon Derby. I've got to say at the moment this is the absolute best Bond film in my opinion until we get to Skyfall. You would not believe that it was the same writers that wrote Die Another Day and then also wrote this. It's completely a different animal anyway the it's a fantastic great short pre-title black and white leading to the pre-gun barrel and Di Daniel Kleinman's best titles which are based around cards and roulettes and I absolutely love the Seven of Hearts uh, being turned into, being shot and turned into the ticker tape of announcing James Bond 007 status confirmed and the, the, the image of Craig at the end of the titles with the slashes across his face which uh, turn into the first scene in the excellent Parker sequence. Uh, it's an absolutely stunning cast. I don't think one character lets the film down whatsoever. Uh, obviously right from Daniel Craig who makes the role his own. Even though it's his first adventure as Bond. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen as Le Chief is fabulous and creepy. Eva Green as Vesper is 
is just sublime all the way through. Um, you don't know what her motives are towards the end of the film until it's revealed. Katerina Monroe as Solange is uh, it, it's so sad when she dies. And uh, Giancarlo Giannini as Rennie Mathis. Again, he, he, he's a very good Bond ally who has got a huge question mark. Uh, above his uh, head at the end of the film. Um, Jeffrey Wright, Felix, is, is, is a gate. You, you don't see an awful lot of him, but as we know, you do see him in subsequent uh, films. Uh, David Arnold comes up absolute trumps again with this score, um, with the added hindrance of not being able to use the Bond theme until the very last scene as, as Bond climbs these steps and announces to Mr White who he is. It's an absolutely stunning score all the way through and um, from again the Parker scene to the fabulous uh, Miami airport uh, scene which is it's fabulous, it really is. It's, it's, it's like a dance. It's, a, it's really like a dance all the way through until you see a Bond smiling when the assassin um, presses the button and it's himself that he blows up. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's all I can say at the moment. Of course, as you can tell, I'm on my own, so I've got no one to bounce off. Um, really looking forward to hearing what everyone else has got to say about it. Uh, I am with Kieran uh, next week for Quantum, so we'll have a bit more to say about that one. But I absolutely and utterly enjoyed this film from the first scene to the last. And I think I always will. There's some great interplay between Judy Dench's M and Daniel Craig's Bond, starting with... I'm seriously considering feeding to, feeding it to those bastards after Bond's killing of the bomb maker at the beginning of the pre-titles and then breaking into her apartment and going to come out with her name. Um, but then we get to, eventually get to the card games, which could have been quite boring, uh, just being shot on their own, but they're interplayed between some great action scenes, including the stairwell fight, and then the very tender scene in the shower as Bond sees Vesper all crunched up under the shower and he sits by her and comforts her. This is then leads on to the poisoning scene where Le Chief's girlfriend uh, poisons, uh, poisons the uh, drink that he has and then this leads on to him having a going to have a, a cardiac arrest and Vesper saves him in the nick of time. At the end of that, there is the short, fabulous car chase, uh, which obviously has to swerve the car off the road because she's tied up in the middle of the road, which then leads to him rolling the car in a record breaking breaking seven rolls before it comes finally comes to to an end 
and the chief and his men take Bond and Vesper to somewhere for him to be tortured, uh, which is the most eye-wateringly torturing scene that I've ever seen. Uh, it makes you really shiver uh, when you hear the thud of that huge knot on the end of the rope to his nether regions. After Lashif is shot by Mr. White, Bond is then taken to the spectacular Villa Balbianello, where he recuperates. He then suspects Mathis of being double-crossing him, so Mathis gets taken away to be sweated. It's on to Venice and the excellent destruction of the lakeside villa, um, which was a fantastic model work interplayed by seamlessly with real footage, obviously ending in Vesper's death and Bond returning to service and Mr. White walking off with the money. Um, because of Vesper's phone call, Bond then realises it's Mr. White and he finds where Mr. White lives, which is called Villa Gaeta, which is actually is only a couple of kilometres up the road from Villa Balbianello. The scene where Bond shoots Mr. White in the knee, which then leads on to him saying his iconic Bond, James Bond, at the end. It's a, it's a superb film. Okay. That's it for me for tonight and I'll be back with another report for Quantum next week. Okay, bye. Hi, this is Steve Bird. Thank you to the Really 007 team for asking me to submit a review of Casino Royale, having just seen it on the big screen uh, in the last few days. Only my second viewing on the big screen, I saw it in 2006. It's a film I've seen countless times, like many people have. What really stood out for me, what what was different on the big screen as opposed to as opposed to sort of TV viewings, etc. Right from the start, for some strange reason, the pre-title sequence really, really got my attention. One thing that I really noticed was how Martin Campbell had spliced together the two very contrasting scenes that he depicted in the pre-title sequence. You go from the calm, authoritative, deadly Bond in Dryden's office to the brutal, visceral, violent, do-or-die scenes in the cricket club toilet. And Daniel Craig depicted both those aspects of Bond's character really, really well. Superb, in fact. For me, what I really noticed was how the way those two scenes were put together really addresses all the criticism of whether Daniel Craig could or could not play James Bond. I thought he did that bit particularly well, and it was cl very clever direction from Martin Campbell. Of the other things that stood out, I noticed that I liked Vespa more than I had done previously. She seemed softer and more vulnerable somehow than what I'd noticed before. The scenery was obviously tremendous. Some of the scenes in and around Montenegro and Venice, etc. were brilliant. The poker game, for some strange reason, seemed to have more tension in it, watching it on the big screen than I'd noticed before as well. But yeah, all in all, a thoroughly enjoyable experience. I really, really did enjoy uh, enjoy seeing them. one of my favourite Bond films on the big screen. It was, uh, it was really great. So yeah, that's my two and a half minute review. But thank you to the really 007 guys for asking me to submit this. Much appreciated. Cheers. Hello there, it's Andy and Yvonne Curran. And on Sunday, we went to see Casino Royale at the Odeon Liverpool one. Uh, finally, a James Bond film that I have actually seen at the cinema when it first came out. And I think I saw it twice. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I think I saw it twice on the on my first viewing as, as well. We've th been watching the Blu-rays and DVDs because we've not gone to see all the Brosnan ones at the cinema. No. And 
yeah, 2006 when Casino Royale came out, and it's four years after the last Brosnan one. So different. Yeah, I think it's probably the the biggest tonal shift between any two Bond movies that, the, that there's been so far in the in the series. Admittedly, the the world had changed. 9/11 sort of had just happened when Die Another Day came out, and I think it almost immediately dated it. Yeah. It's interesting to see the way the, the Bond movies go back and forth between styles and mm. I, I think Dan Other Day was yeah. the most inflated it had been and then they really stripped it back with well, this. Bond kind of brutal and not unsympathetic, but he's he gives a mission and he will fulfil it. Yeah, as M says, he's the, he's the blunt instrument, mm. isn't he? And I think that title sequence, or the pre-title sequence, mm. in, in black and white where he's throwing the guy around the bathroom trying to drown him and uh, it's it's a really full-on really full-on fight but then it goes into the chris cornell titles as a cracking bond theme and beautiful kind of with the cards swirling around i think i, thought, I think it's one of my favorite title sequences uh and i, I like the way the the cornell song links in well with, with uh, david arnold's score i think the two dovetail really nicely with each other and the best thing from the brosnan films gets carried over for no explanation whatsoever other than judy dench as m is brilliant <laughs> yeah, if you try and dissect the timeline of that, it makes no sense, no sense whatsoever. She's now older in this than she was in the Pierce Brosnan films when Bond was supposedly older, and now you've got Bond starting off, so surely she should be younger. And it... Yeah, just accept it. It's, well, it's, it's... it's just the, the, the rule of Judy Dench. Um, <laughs> it, it sort of works. But I think it's a good film regardless of being a Bond film. I find it entertaining. Yes, it's a long film, and lots happen, lot happens in it. Yeah, if it if it wasn't necessarily a film about James Bond, it would still work as a as an entertaining, turning film. One of the things you mentioned was the the sort of the the, the body image. Yeah, you've got obviously a traditional Bond film. You've got beautiful women. Um, you've got Bess Berlin, gorgeous, and she's used sexually, kind of in the dress to distract. But as an actor, Daniel Craig, as soon as he was cast, he was pulled apart. Kind of always oh, doesn't look the part. He's too blonde, blue eyed. And even in the film, he is the most objectified Bond's ever been. You know, he comes yeah. out in his swimming trunks, glistening on the beach, and then he's naked again, being tortured. So, yeah, it's interesting his body as Bond almost becomes the, the sort of the, the main object. In, yeah, it's, in the it's film. there's a lot of tonal changes in in Bond, and that's visually the yeah. most obvious, I think. Yeah, at the time, I always thought that he wasn't that funny. In the film, or didn't sort of do the do the one-liners, or the, the, the yeah, one-liners almost, almost disappear. I remember being quite shocked at the, the the scene at the end where I think Gettler, the guy with the mm. the blacked-out glasses, gets shot with the, uh, the the nail gun, and you expect Bond to go, ah, he was he was riveted, or one of the eye for him, or something like that, and he just drops the gun and walks off, and it's like, well, someone would have walked away from that. <laughs> he, he, he didn't do the thing. He didn't didn't do the line, but. That coupled with, I think the scene at the start where he's, he's chasing the, the the parkour guy mm. and he's running around jumping over everything, doing backflips, and Bond just comes barging <laughs> through the wall and goes ta-da! Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a, that's a real statement of intent. Yeah, I I say it's... being funny. There's quite a few moments where he, he does a line or a look, and the audience that's in there did did chuckle. And yeah, laugh. yeah, um, it's probably the most. Loved. I, I think it's probably a bigger audience that for this as well biggest screen Liverpool 1 has been in screen 8 and for Casino Royale they're in screen 3 yeah. so they're anticipating a bigger audience yeah yeah, yeah. I think another one of the things that works well with with this movie given that neither of us are particularly card players 
the, the scenes in the casino, you never really lose track of what's going on. Yeah, it makes sense. They're playing a game you don't know, but you can tell there's tension and yeah. you think, oh, they won, they not. Admittedly, they do mix it up with a little bit of machete action and attempted poisoning. Yeah, they don't always get too boring. And, you know, sort of <laughs> trying to restart Bond's heart. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's all, that's all poker scenes work really well for, for novices like us that they don't really know there. But kind of my my favourite scenes. there's a lot of beautiful locations in, in this film and we've got a fondness of Venice. We do. We went there on, on honeymoon and did, did spend a lot of time finding either locations from Indiana Jones or, or both the, the Bond films that were that were filmed there. We arrived in Venice on a on a water bus. But I think in our heads we were we were both on a <laughs> on a yacht pretending to be Bond and Bond and Vesper. It's yeah. A little bit of imagination, and you're there. It's yeah, I, I was this close to sending a text message to the boss saying I've resigned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the scenes in Venice are yeah, quite special to us. Mm. Minus points for not including a double taking pigeon this time. But Again with a double taking pigeon, okay. Uh, you, know, you, 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 can't have, you can't have everything. So what was the moment of disbelief in this film? Well, Casino Royale's a great film. It's got <laughs> lots of many, many good points, and we do, we do both really, really like it as, as a film. But jointly, uh, there's one scene that I think stretches... <laughs> credulity a little bit too far it's the it's the scene where vespa's in the shower bond comes in to comfort her she's getting a bit cold bond says do you want, do you want warming up he reaches up to the to the sort of the dial on the shower and magically manages to find exactly the right temperature that's his first night in that hotel room there is no way anybody <laughs> gets the shower right on your first visit that... there's five minutes of faffing around going it's too hot <laughs> it's too cold I can I can believe everything else about the film, but, that, but that that's a step too far. That's why the 007. You've got to do two kills and work out how to use a shower instantly. Yeah, but he's he's a he's a better man than me. <laughs> you know, James. I just want you to know that if all there was left of you was your smile and your little finger, you'd still be more of a man than anyone I've ever met. That's because you know what I can do with my little finger. I have no idea. But you're aching to find out. Well, I'm delighted to be back with Chris Eels, a.k.a. the 007 Bookshelf, and also the man with the red trousers. Now, we discussed last week a very interesting Bond film, Down of the Day. Because we're doing this series chronologically, we move on to <laughs> Casino Real, which is a slightly different type of Bond film, perhaps. But yes, Chris, what's your history growing up? Now, you told us last week about Dine of the Day. What was your sort of feelings surrounding that, what was it, four-year period where we didn't really know what was happening and then Daniel Craig was cast and Pierce Brosnan was replaced effectively? It was a little bit out in the wilderness, I guess. Just that weird, we don't know what's happening. For, because for a while, Pierce Brosnan was still yes he was still you know and it was just assumed okay there's going to be another bond film we just got to wait a little bit for it remembering that certainly our generation had had that gap of timothy dalton is still bond and that just kept going and kept going for six years while they sorted out the legal uh paperwork tied up uh tied up with mgm and i think eon and some other companies around the bond franchise so it was that weird sort of okay we've got another fallow period to get through and then there was this news, gossip, but still there was news. Casino Royale, going to be directed by Quentin Tarantino, starring Pierce Brosnan and Uma Thurman, set in the 50s. Did you actually think that, was that actually said at the time? Because I've only heard that 
afterwards in hindsight. I can remember being at being at university and that that being in a lot of the newspapers and being yeah. sort of solidly talked about. Obviously, <laughs> it all vanished like a fart in the wind. If I can, <laughs> yeah, I don't think Bond fans could complain about continuity if that happened. Could no, not at all. Would <laughs> be more like M has aged whilst Bond has now become younger in this film, Casino L, but. That would be slightly different, wouldn't it? it? <laughs> and yeah, suddenly Pierce Brosnan was out and they were looking for a new Bond film and uh, for a new Bond. And the whole who's going to play him circus kicked off. Yeah. And that obviously didn't seem to last long because after Spectre, there was, well, that's it. It seems to be that Daniel Craig probably won't come back. Maybe he will. But we've had since, what, 2015, 2016, constant chat, haven't we? Who's going to replace him? Yeah. Even though we've had a film in between that, we, we st- it still hasn't. Because, and because we've had the clarity of knowing for what since 20, 2018, perhaps twenty nineteen, that <laughs> that would be his last film. When as soon as it was announced, I think we knew it would be his last. So we, we've had loads of names in the frame, and obviously Idris Elba. I think only today. I mean, it's just getting ridiculous. He must get so sick of it. Must <laughs> asked every single interview. <laughs> I think he's. I think he's gotten sick of it because it's gone on so long. Yeah, and, about a decade. Yeah, and it because it's gone on so long, he's actually aged out of the frame. He's no longer... Yeah, according to them, like, according to these new sort of, under, what is it, under 40 and, well, he's, he's tall enough. He's got... Oh, yeah, no, he's got, the, he's got the presence, he's got the action, he's got the size and the stature. But, yeah, he's just too old. He would make a great M, I think. Yes, I've heard some... I think, was it George who mentioned that? Uh, sort of how Ray Fiennes was considered for Bond. It was quite good to have him then as M when he was a bit older. So that that would be great. That would be a very, very good casting for me because I'm assuming in the new continuity now, everybody has to go. That's, I mean, that's logical for me. Yeah. Because I really like Ray Fiennes and I, assuming Bond didn't die, I would have wanted him to continue. I would have wanted Q and Money Penny and all them to continue. Well, but- with Casino Royale, they hit the big yes. reset button but kept Judy Dench. So she was too good to lose. We, we, I'm sure that was it, yeah. wasn't it? Really? Is Rafe too good to lose? Would he stay? Could he stay? You know, it's- I think part of the problem as well is that I mean his character was a disgrace, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what a mess he was. What a disgrace. But yes, so Casino Real, I can't, I remember I think Jared Butler was mentioned. I seem to remember that. There are a few other names who, who was a bit of an unknown then. And it did seem to be going to that direction. It was quite nice. And Dugray Scott as well. Yeah. The brilliant villain from the underrated Mission Impossible 2. But uh, <laughs> but we got Daniel Craig. And I'll be honest, I, I didn't know who he was. And I was like, brilliant. That's How good is that? that? It's somebody not too obvious. They've obviously put a lot of time and effort into thinking about this. What, what was your initial reaction to his casting? And be honest, you know, not, there's no, you won't get cancelled if, you, if, you if I'm perfectly honest, I really can't remember anymore. I think I was less concerned about his acting ability than about him being blonde. Right. It was yeah. like, how are they going to, how can Bond be blonde like that? No, that's terrible. That's not going to work. And just, for, you know, crossing him off in that regard. <laughs> but uh, as far as, you know, acting chops is concerned, he'd done Our Friends in the North, which was terrific. Yeah. He'd done art house film about Francis Bacon. I think it's Love is yeah. the Devil, where he yeah. plays Francis Bacon's gay lover. So he's done sort of out there roles. And then 
comes has come to uh, the producer's attention. And then recent, I want to say it was recently that they released his uh, casting tape. Yes, they did. The Casino Royale. And you watch it and you're like, okay, yes, I can see what they saw in him back then. It's It was the right choice. I just, from the whole announcement, just remember the image of him on this boat shooting up the Thames, trying to hold on for dear life with these SAS... <laughs> <laughs> officers arriving to the uh, to the press conference. I still get annoyed at that, that because I think that's one of the most Bonds he's ever looked. The most Bond he's looked with his the suit, the glasses, the hair is a bit longer. It, it was it's very you know the sort of Daily Mail stuff, isn't it? Oh, Bond is wearing a, a life jacket. A life jacket. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, it was it looked cool, and it looked cool on the boat. You know, on the the sort of mini dinghy, the motorized dinghy. I like that. I think I, I was more concerned with the. Oh, this is getting very superficial. It wasn't the hair; it was just he just looked a bit. He didn't look like a smooth Roger Moore type, you know. Do, do you know what yeah. I mean? And and of course that was tailored into the character in terms of <coughs> Lund's instrument, this thug or whatever who needs to be priest out. But I could see where the media were going with it. They were going so overboard with the hatred that the critics were going to go the opposite way. And overhype mm-hmm. it, yeah. And I think he couldn't lose in terms of the critics because everybody wanted to be proven right that all the fans were. Well, it wasn't the fans; it was more just the casual people who were sort of saying, "This guy's never going to succeed. He's terrible." And I think that sort of almost went the other way. If you didn't like the performance, then that's nothing to do with the way he looked, and that's nothing to do with the original reaction. Yeah. Because the, the way they've moulded this bond is very different. There's two camps, isn't there? There's, it's too different, I don't like it, or it's different, that's why it's good. Yes, and I think certainly coming off the back of Die Another Day, it's different <laughs> and that's good is very <laughs> Of course, yeah. And it, it, I think it, it also, the, the producers were pretty under fire then, I think. No, maybe in our heads we've imagined it was worse than it was, but it was really like, oh gosh, where do we go from here? They they deserve a lot of credit for backing somebody who wasn't popular, who wasn't well known. I didn't really have much of a box office, which I think they'd think about more now. Oh, absolutely. And but then, yeah, there. But then there is history with this. There is a yeah. You know, they have a precedent of hiring non-names or yeah. You know, Connery was an unknown. He'd done like two or three films before then. Lazenby was a model from Australia. (laughs) (laughs) A charlatan and a liar. I love him, him, but he was, uh, you know, (laughs) we know his history. And Roger Moore was uh, a TV star. Yeah. He was the biggest name on TV, I'll give you that. But, you know, he had not done that many films. He was a TV guy. Dalton as well. And... Pierce. Dalton was from the stage and Pierce was from American TV. You know, so it's limited limited amount of cinematic experience. So to go with Daniel, who as we've said, a handful of art house films and some strong punchy dramas, it makes sense. And just looking to the future, I wouldn't be surprised if that's where they go to again. Well it's worked, hasn't it? Because I I think the only problem they have is that if you're going to get more of an unknown, the actor is going to be more wary that they're going to be typecast. Yeah. But, of course, that has not happened with Daniel Craig. So there's got to be... If you've already had a routine of being an actor, then you've got you've got that to fall back on. And I suppose now there's this agreement where, certainly with Pierce, 
maybe going back. Well, all of them really. They were allowed to sort of film in between a Bond film, weren't they? Yes. Obviously, I dread to think how Sean fitted in all those films. I've no idea how he did it. I mean, he must have slept, must oh. In the first few years, you can see why he got fed up. Yeah. But. yeah, so so we did get Daniel Craig, and then the big thing, of course, was the book. that They were going back, they got the rights to the Casino Royale. Immediately, you could see, right, we've got a clear direction here. We know what we're doing, and we've got a new beginning, essentially. And it's something that hasn't been explored before, Bond effectively learning the ropes. I actually, for the first time watching at the cinema on Tuesday, I thought, now hang on, is the pre-title sequence, it works better for me if that's set maybe one or two years, two or three years maybe, before the plot begins. Because then it's like he's now in the field a bit more. He's got a little bit of trust under his way. And it makes sense now that, that M's like, you know, she knows who he is. So you're a bit of a blunt instrument. But I might be completely I, wrong. If it's completely chronological, then I don't know. I'd, I'd always assumed that it had sort of spilled directly from one thing into the next because immediately after the title sequence, you get the Madagascar chase yes, sequence. Yeah. And then there's the whole newspapers, outrage, ends being interrogated. And she says, I knew it was too early to promote you. So I'd imagine that, that, yeah, implied, that yeah, yeah. condenses the amount of time. It's whether it's a couple of months that it passes yes. in the pre in the title sequence. I don't know, but it's I wouldn't have gone with sort of like two or three years. Okay, yeah, probably, I, I know. I know it doesn't have to be totally realistic, but I'm all out of killing his section chief or whatever. That would have to have taken a bit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's dive into the film, Chris. So. When you saw it at the cinema for the first time, what was your reaction? Absolutely blown away. I can remember vividly it was at the Odeon on Streatham High Street, which is still there, thankfully, and it was in the big, big screen, and I sat right in the middle with two friends and just lapped it up. And I'm pretty sure by the end of it, when the Bond theme was playing, I was giddy, properly giggling with joy. It was... Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Wonderful. And then I think I went back to see it again the next weekend. It was, yeah, it was great. That's so good to hear. And I assume you've, you've, your love for it has remained throughout the years. Yes. Yes. It's sort of, no, 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 no. It's sort of waxed and waned a little bit just in a sort of, oh, yeah, it's good. Oh, it's great. Oh, yeah, it's good. It's never gone, it's never gone down 
in estimation. It's just that thing of actually maybe I don't want to watch that one tonight. I'll go and watch one of the other yeah. terrific ones. You know, it's but it is it's always up there. It's always up there because it isn't the Sunday afternoon bomb, is it? It's not. You need to be in the right mood. No, M- Moonraker. It is not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's something you need to watch and concentrate on. There's a lot of dialogue-free action that you need to yeah. pay attention to. Otherwise, you'd be like, "Oh, how did he get there? Or what's going on there? Why is this happening with that?" You know, you you need to pay attention. You could, it's not a background film, I don't think. It's not a background no. Film. no where does it where does it sit again, right oh don't ask me uh, <laughs> the problem is i like i love maybe 21 22 of them <laughs> and that's what i can throw on any i think it is out of the craigs i know this will sound weird but i think my favorites now are the first two okay quantum used to be way at the bottom for me of all of them but i'll you know we'll speak about the next week but it the my i've it's really grown and I think one of the things that grabbed me again is the locations in the Craig films have been terrific. And I love all the, the Italy stuff. And I love how that carried through into Quantum. And it just felt like this is an actual proper spy. Yes, he's a bit gritty and he's a bit grimy and he's a bit dirty and he's got blood on him. But I got the sense that he was actually doing some espionage here and he was off the beaten track. And I, and it still has that Bond feel, you know, with these locations. So... The casino stuff in Casino Royale is wonderful. I, I really appreciated watching that this time. I thought that was really well filmed. And the colours of those first two films. I know everybody goes on about Roger Deakins and Skyfall and it looks beautiful, but for me, I prefer the look of these first two films because it still feels lush in a Bond film and they're not shots for artiness' sake. They're actual, within the story, they work. Yeah. You know the whole Sam Mendes, <laughs> lovely long shots of the back of someone with a light in front of them. It looks nice in a screenshot, but it, it just seems, oh, that's a film, isn't it? It doesn't, it doesn't feel like some kind of proper scenario where, like Em and, em and Bond in Skyfall on the drive just sort of stood out yeah. there. It looks great, but it just, I don't know, it just looks like he's showing up. <laughs> and I think that, that was proven with the, whatever it's called, 1917. Anyway, that, is, that that's aside... Fun. But it's I, I, I love the look of the first two, and I really, I think, I don't know how to say it, but Phil Mahu, I think he got nominated for BAFTA for the cinematography. I think it's beautiful. I really do, and the colours are beautiful and lush. And it just makes you enter that Fleming world, and that, that but you just want to be in that world. That's what I got from Yeah, it. certainly when I watched it last night, and you go from the black and white pre-titles, yeah. and then the gun barrel, bang, and then the red yeah. blood comes down. But it's such a gory, vibrant red. It's not, yeah. You know, with is. the previous uh, gun barrels, it's just sort of that that sort of yeah. a very sort of flat red that drips down. This is, it feels thick and oozy and red and vibrant. And then that title sequence, which is all block colours, and it's just coming out at you. And then certainly when he's flying into the Bahamas, all of that's the sequence that's in there oh. is so bright and colourful, almost too colourful. And But in a way, I know we were talking last week about Die Another Day being very colourful and vibrant, <laughs> but under control, that was in a cartoony sort of way, and this is more yes. luxurious colours. You luxuriate in all of the gold, it is, you it know, is. and there's the warm sunshine and all the rest of it. And it reflects each part of the film, so you're right, you obviously get the dark opening 
because that is a very dark scene and it sets the tone. Yeah. But then to see that amazing chase in the Bahamas, you, you, you know, the cinematography just lets you see it all, the vastness of yeah. it. And all the, as James, what's his name? Uh, <laughs> the, barn, the barn experience would say, the barn lifestyle. <laughs> All, all that stuff is, is filmed in a lush way, you know, the suits and the, the poker and everything. But then when we get to the, the gritty stuff, it, it, it goes down a notch. So the Vespa in the middle of the road is very, like, low low lit, and that works really well. And then we get, of course, the torture, which is, okay, slightly stagey because you've got a spotlight on him, but it's just down to the basics of those two guys in a room, and that's what you want. You don't want any distractions. Yep. If that was in, say, a, color, a busy room, Oh, it just wouldn't work, would it? Yeah, completely. Um, and certainly with the, while we're on sort of colour and cinematography and that, for the torture scene, there is this very much Bond is in these sort of lit, in these warm hues, and yeah. Le Chiffre is in these sort of cold blues, and it really does sort of separate the screen in the way that they framed it. Yeah. It's, uh, it is very interesting how they've done that. And a lot of thought has gone in, into that. And so, yes, the film itself... Uh, <laughs> It's, it's an unusual one in terms of tone because people sort of often pigeonhole it as a it's a much more serious one with a lot more talking in but there's actually some really long stretches of action in it as well and the first half of the film it's it's almost like a different film but it's like a prelude to everything that the main story yeah it's certainly a, a story of I was going to say two halves but actually it's a story of three halves if I can because <laughs> basically I'll, I'll explain myself basically you've got the plot around yeah. the airplane which gets us to the casino then we've got the casino story and then once that's resolved and le chiffre is dead then you've got the love story and it, yes yeah you know it's quite clearly sort of in these sections and that first yeah that first third where it's all about what is ellipsis what is going to happen oh yeah yeah you could stretch that out almost to its own movie. So yeah, of course, there. yeah. And as you say, some of the action sequences are so big and thrilling and forceful that they, they could carry a movie on their own. I would, my, my one gripe, I think, my one big gripe about the film is towards the end of that sequence. And I know it's ridiculous, but as a film geek, I'm sort of watching it going, right, he goes to the hotel and he plays cards, and he wins the Aston Martin. That's early evening. He then goes off with Solange for an hour or so, gets the information, goes to Miami airport, goes to the Bodyworks exhibition, goes back to the airport where they're having the launch of the aeroplane. What is the time frame in which all of this is happening in one evening? And, and then he's back in... The Bahamas see the dead body the next, next morning. morning but it? who does an airplane launch of a prototype? Uh, God, it's got to be midnight, one o'clock in the morning in yeah, Miami. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, hang on, guys, you've you've pushed the clock on this a little too far. I think. And it focuses on, you know, chasing Demetrius in the taxi, but they must have already both had a quick plane journey. Yeah, were they both on the same plane? Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I know. I think th there are regular flights from. Miami to the Bahamas because it is Miami is a point for loads of yeah, you know it's a, it's a major hub yeah but I, again I'm not you know they, they are they are mind I, I, yeah I, I admit this is a very silly you'll, you'll have these ellipses 
<laughs> there we go. <laughs> the Salam's bit then, so he doesn't he doesn't get his end away in the end, does he? No. He, he does leave her, he, doesn't he? Yeah, he? He, he gets her champagne and caviar for one yeah. and uh, he runs out the door. It's all about the mission for him. Watching it again, and I, I think I said this in our review, that it's pretty... She's like almost ready to... <laughs> he's going to cheat on her husband. in the business and then, yeah... A dangerous man. We know he's a dangerous man. Yeah. She's ready to go and have this affair, and yeah, yeah. He he. Then Bond runs out the door. I I don't know what she decided to stay or where did they find her body. Was it back at his house or yeah? I can't I can't quite figure that one out in my mind. But yeah, unfortunately, I don't mind Bond. You know, it's very Bond over the years. He gets people killed. I mean, like you said, Moonraker, Corin. You know, he just yeah. gets the information of her, says, "Take care of yourself," and then doesn't. He won't even know that she's been killed in a dreadful way. And it happens again in Skyfall. Yeah, oh, well, that's that's awful. Yeah, that. that is a terrible. I don't like how that's done, particularly. But yeah, not good. <laughs> right. Uh, but, but <laughs> yeah. Going back to the just going back to the airport yeah. and the chase there. When they get on the trucks, that whole sequence driving around the airport is so good and every time i watch it i keep thinking about raiders of the lost ark you know yeah. when indy's on the truck and he's climbing over the truck jumps into the front and gets yeah, sort yeah. of it and it's is it, i'm not going to say is it as good as raiders of the lost ark because that is sort of god tier level of filmmaking but it's it is really good and i'm watching it and thinking it's bloody hell and then there's that airplane that does the yeah that's so good pushes the police cars away is yeah. stunning. Having that within an action scene, there's so many different bits yeah. to it. I actually think the fight in the in the truck just before you know he jumps out, that's such a good fight. They're really frantic yeah. and kicking each other and sort of steering the car, and that's what that really never gets mentioned in best fights of the series because it's within a much bigger action scene. Yeah, but I think quality I, I really enjoyed that yeah, i just think that, that and, yeah i think you're right to say that whole chase sequence itself is often forgotten but it is yeah. really really good it is because the the stuff in madagascar is so good and that is something we've never seen and people just running and up cranes and jumping and i do i know sort of the joke is that oh it's funny because this guy's incredible at it but and bond's not an expert at it so he just sort of blunders his way through he's like He's still pretty impressive. <laughs> the guy, he's still running on track and <laughs> jumping around and landing and then, oh, dear me. Yeah. He still comes out of it very well. <laughs> it, it is. It was amazing. And you say that we'd never seen anything like it before to the point that it's so good, he has a specific call-out in the opening titles. Yeah. You know, it's... Free-running stunts, yeah. Fantastic. Really, really good. Really good. What do you think of... Do you understand poker, Chris? Because I don't. <laughs> I've got a very loose grasp on the game. My husband plays it regularly with his friends back home. Would trounce at me every time we'd play, but uh, oh. no, I, I I don't have that that uh, that good a grasp on it. Which is why it's Rene Mathis is so welcome as yeah yeah. <laughs> well, the people who know about poker they complain like, oh, he's just commentating. He's, uh... Like yes, and that is needed. We need that. <laughs> Need it, yeah. <laughs> Mathis exposition, I think, should be his. <laughs> it is, it is, it very much is. I didn't, I didn't think it was. I thought it was more subtle. Watching it this last time than everybody says, I didn't think it was that bad. Uh, yeah, it. 
Because the dealer himself is is describing, you know, like that. Why that trumps that? Yeah, well, yeah. He's doing the, the card sliding thing, and that. Yeah. I, I think that is standard gameplay when. Yeah, casino, exactly. Which obviously is great and that helps. But Rene's little comments of Bum, oh, no. yeah. he now has to do this or oh and it's that's yeah, his yeah. tell or whatever. Maybe he's good. maybe he is gonna do it. I know. Yeah, no. Just the tell, I mean I'm not yeah. It's all very It's a gentle hand so in the back of the the small of your back, just pushing you forward along yeah. the plot, and that's fine. It's happened in other films, it'll happen again. It's, it's very difficult to stage a massive card game across different scenes in a Bond film and try and keep everybody interested. And obviously the way they do that is by in between the cards, you've got Bond nearly dying, haven't you? Being poisoned and everything. Yeah. And then you've got the scene, of course, with the fight in the stairwell, which is unbelievable. Yeah. When they're talking through the game, you know, suddenly they say, all oh, right, we've been playing for four hours. It's time to take an hour's break. Yeah. And again, it's the thing <laughs> of, okay, what time did they start playing? Yeah. So we're well, you know, we're well into midnight, like the early hours of the morning for the first game. And yeah, you need to take a break and give us some action. And that's yeah. The the way they've structured it is brilliant. And the threats It is. I think it's the fact that the threats are coming not just to Bond, but to the Shifa yeah. as well. When the general comes and uh gets his machete out with his girlfriend. Yeah, that's it. Like, oh my god, this is, you know, we think everything's going to be attacking Bond, but it's not. It's coming from all angles, and it really keeps you on edge. It's, yeah, it's very well structured. And the poisoning of Bond later on effectively is replacing an element in the book because Bond has been saved at that point by Felix is being financed, at which point in the book someone comes up behind Bond with gun hidden in a walking stick, puts it in the small of his back and says, you will withdraw your bet or I will fire and I'll kill you. So you can't have that in the movie. That would be just be a bit weird. So they've replaced it with this poisoning. And the filming of that even is terrific because you go from the warm elegance of the casino room to the white bathroom and it's yeah. all of these yeah. Dutch angles and it's very grainy suddenly and he's frantic. And it's it's a real stylistic change. Again, as we were saying earlier, it was sort of stylistically changing from previous Bond films. This is just underlying that again. It's so jarring, but it works so well. My only gripe is that why on earth did they choose that as the poster image? Bond, It's Bond staggering across the, the room, sorry, across the road to get to the car, isn't it? If you think about the, the, the cover of the, the poster yes. film. <laughs> you know, if it had a screenshot of him then, he's like... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> your new yes, yeah, yeah, this is, yeah, this is how we can introduce him. She had a boyfriend, a French Algerian. They were very much in love. He was kidnapped by the organisation behind Le Chiffre. And they blackmailed her, threatening to kill him unless she cooperated. We should have picked up on it, but sometimes we're so focused on our enemies, we forget to watch our friends. How are you doing? She left her cell phone. She must have known I'd check it. She knew you were you. Well, at least this clears Mathis. No. No? No. We just proved that she's guilty, not that he's innocent. Could have been a double blind, keep sweating it. You don't trust anyone, do you, James? No. 
Then you've learnt your lesson. Get back as soon as you can. We need you. Will do. If you do need time... Why should I need more time? Job's done. The bitch is dead. James, did you ever ask yourself why you weren't killed that night? Isn't it obvious? She made a deal to spare your life in exchange for the money. I'm sure she hoped they would let her live. But she must have known she was going to her death. And now we'll never know who was behind this. The trail's gone cold. In terms of Le Chiffre, while we've mentioned him, because we're, we were Bond traditionalists, obviously, we were seeing it when you're like 18, 19, and then, oh, probably a bit older, actually. And then it's like, oh, the main villain's just been killed. Hang on, what's going on? Yeah. It, it felt weird. It works within the story. Mr. White is like that background threat. And I, I just assumed, of course, it's, well, he's he's either Blofeld or he is part of Spectre, but they just don't have the rights to say it. Yeah. So I, I, I don't mind them using Mr. White as quantum equal Spectre. It was more the silver was part of it as well, which is totally unnecessary. <laughs> well, just just while we're on Mr. Yes. White, he's him as a creation is terrific. And I think yeah. he is one of the strongest things to come from the whole Daniel Craig era. At the end of the film, when you see the guy with the eye patch, the black yeah. glasses, yeah. Uh, yeah. he is from the book as well. Vesper sees a man with an eye patch in the yeah. the love story part of the plot, and that's when it all goes wrong. That's almost unnecessary. They should, I think they could have used Mr. White a little bit more there, but he is absolutely fantastic. And I rue the fact that they killed him I think they sh just to go off on a complete Bond answer. fell in love with his daughter that's the most Bond fell in love with his daughter is the most stupid yeah girl. and I think they made a massive misstep just to go on a complete tangent <laughs> at first Spectre they should have revealed that Mr. White is Blofeld yeah of course and then you get the drama of Bond being in love with his daughter and how does that family dynamic yeah. work or, you know, rather than killing him off and then making Blofeld his brother and yeah. die, ah, 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 then you're off. Because you could have, you could have had the Christoph Waltz just as a normal battle yeah. below Blofeld as it was always and done. And reveal that Mr. White is Blofeld and that would have been yeah. amazing. Of course, And yeah. then you would have had the full arc of he was there from the beginning. Yeah, it would have made No Time to Die work a lot better as well. Let's not get into that. <laughs> Okay, I just meant that horror pre-titled scene thing. Yes. Uh, with the masks and all that nonsense. Yeah. Anyway, yes. So, uh, back to, yeah. He's fantastic, isn't he? Yeah. A fantastic actor. I think he's just marvellous, and I wish we'd have had more of him. Because it, it's an unusual Bond character, because he, he's extremely menacing, but we actually f almost feel a bit of sympathy by the end that, you know, you can see why this guy's so stressed and that he, he needs to get this money. And obviously we'd rather Bond win the money, but heck, he's in real trouble yeah. here now, isn't he? There's so many questions I have. And I, in our review, I'm just getting tied in knots with how much Vespa knew and how much she was in on it. And for instance, when Bond's being tortured, she's in the next room. Is she actually being tortured or is she being... Can you just scream so that Bond thinks you're being tortured? <laughs> yeah. and well, I think, I think she probably is being beaten around a bit because they need she's going to need to be able to prove 
Although, I was going to say... It might want her to get Bond to give her... I mean, it's the most obvious password ever. That's one of the funniest things I've ever... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It might as well have been boobs. Or, like <laughs> or password. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One, two, three, yeah. four. <laughs> I love that guy, though. I love the... The Swiss, the Swiss banker guy. Oh yeah, the, the, the comic <laughs> relief of uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's not like watching it. The, the whole thing about oh, you didn't bring any chocolates with you. It's like no, yeah, it's not funny. But it is funny sure the way that. he <laughs> giggles and sort of prances about the screen like some little gazelle. He's <laughs> imagine a Scottish guy gave him the thing. Oh, do you not bring any bagpipes with you? Yeah, you get decked. <laughs> So it, th- what is in the suitcase? Because if they've transferred the money, why is like Mr. White needing that? And why is he taking it to Como? And what's that about? I think the suitcase was, whether it's, I don't know, whether there's a check in there or I doubt there's actually currency, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. I don't, that, represents, these things are good. that represents the money. You know, whoever's got the case got has the uh, has the cash. I'm yeah. the money. <laughs> every inch of it. Well, no, many every, every penny. penny. Is, is that... Money penny yeah. again. My brain just I can't can't switch off. <laughs> I didn't mean she was money penny. <laughs> so at the end, of course, Mister White is looking on as he's been looking on in Venice the whole time. This is really annoying. Why does it seems to be that he is then surprised to see Bond and Bond is like, "I'm James Bond. We we know who you are because I've been tracking you for the whole film, and you introduce yourself as Bond instead of Arlington Beach at the tables." Yeah, I don't and, know. And Mr. White must have known about that. So why? I know it's just a catchphrase for the audience, but you need to speak to Harry about that. And <laughs> goodness me, that's... yeah, more than likely. Because <laughs> he he sees that he, he seems to think there's a massive thing on Mr. White's leg. You can tell he's going to be <laughs> that's going to explode when he. Gets oh, the, the the squib, yeah, <laughs> the squib. That's it. I was thinking of the word. Well done. Anyway, Eva Green, Chris. Eva Green. A brilliant bit of casting. And the chemistry that she and Daniel Craig have is just terrific. I've heard a bit of criticism. People I don't buy the... I think some people say they don't buy how it quickly goes into I Love You and all that over a couple of days. But I I buy it all. I buy it. And I think the moment that really sells it is the shower scene. Yeah. Because up until that point, she is a treasury agent yes. who is just, you know, someone in an office behind a desk. She do- probably doesn't really get out of the office that much, doesn't go on missions like this. So to suddenly be in that kind of mortal danger and seeing some, yeah. someone killed, you know, she's tried to flick the gun away, Bond strangled this man, the other guy's fallen to his death, and, she, you know, suddenly she realises, God, this is real, I am in danger and she sits in the shower and is upset and distraught and bond comes and comforts her and that is where what the psychological term is it's not stockholm syndrome or it's you know there's that thing of she is now developing new emotions or new ways to deal with these emotions with him and that is a real attachment and from there he chases after her when she's kidnapped and the relationship just goes further you know he is her rescuer even though he failed but, you know, he tried, so she sees it like that. Yeah, it's... Little fingers. What do you think about this finger? Th- this finger the finger-sucking. Uh, 
It wasn't there an original script? I think it was on Twitter that made, it made more sense that you know there was another line that were cut or something. Okay, I have I hadn't uh, I hadn't heard about that. It didn't seem as jarring this time. I have to say, when I watched it on the cinema, it didn't seem as random because she she just mentioned that the blood she's got blood on her on her hands and fingers. Yeah, yeah. It, no, I, I think it's, <laughs> it's our sexual brains, isn't it? It's, <laughs> I think that what's what's most tender is the fact that they just they stay under the water together and he turns the heat up a little bit to keep them warm. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's just really well shot. And then just the pullback and you, it's the audience, the audience is just leaving them alone. Let them have their yeah. time. Yeah. I think it, 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 their, their relationship builds perfectly. It's really, really good. Really well handled. Do you think she's the best Bond girl of the Craig era? Oh, Hoss. Possibly. Well, who, el- who, who else, else is, is there? there? Yeah, because <laughs> quantum there is Madeleine. Madeleine. No, don't be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess she uh, is. She yeah. certainly looms the largest. Yeah, cast a shadow over like all it. of the other films that follow. So yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I think she's absolutely terrific. I love Eva Green, and I mean, I'm obviously madly in love with her, but that that helps. Oh yeah, it's nudge <laughs> 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 you along a little bit more there. <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, but I think she brings the best out of Daniel Craig as well, and that the train scene—it's—it's—it's it's, it's good dialogue, it's—it's it's good banter. Yeah. They're both a bit—you can tell that they're quite similar personalities, and that helps. But it helps you buy it. And I know it's fairly obvious, but when I was watching it, my God, they just look so young. It just makes you realise. Oh that. yeah, oh yeah, yeah. They're very mature in terms of what they're saying, and they're—they're they're at you know, when I was that age, I was just. <laughs> Just a kid, I think, still, really. Yeah. They, no, they, they do sell it. And she was like, was she like early, mid-20s? Something like that, yeah. I think really young. Yeah, yeah. Really young. Still very well cast. Yeah, it, it works perfectly. It really does. They're, they're really, really strong. <laughs> what, what are your what are your thoughts on Le Chiffre himself as sort of... Le Chiffre. Like I say, I was a bit annoyed that when I first saw it back in 2006, that the main baddie was killed by someone else very quickly. So I'm like, well, what's going on there? What's going to happen now? But it, within the story, and obviously, obviously in the book, you know, so I'm not gonna, you can't go behind that. I, I just, I really appreciate him as a character. Maybe if we'd seen him do a bit more naughtiness, you know, I, I always like to see the, the villain get his hands dirty. Maybe if he'd, you'd seen him kill somebody or chuck someone overboard. Uh, when he's, he's put, uh, I know he mentions that when he's, <laughs> he's having a hard game with those two middle aged people, yeah. but, well, pensioners really, aren't they? But it's, uh, <laughs> and then she's back at the game, isn't she? The, the, the woman. That is her, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And from You Only Live Twice. Yeah, good trivia. Yeah, I know. I think he's fantastic. I love Mads Mikkelsen as an actor. Uh, Hannibal with him in his story. Oh, yeah. And he's been in two brilliant Danish films that I've watched quite recently. Another Round. Yes. He's absolutely terrific. And Riders of Justice, which is one I hadn't heard Ooh, of. I haven't heard of that. And it's another Danish film. Really, really recommended. He's like a, a chap who's a bit emotionally detached. For some, Well, for some reason, anyway, he gets involved in trying to have vengeance against these other criminals. It's it, There's actually a bit of comedy in it. It's really okay. well done. Def, definitely watch that one. I thought it was unbelievable. Keep my eyes open for that. Then. Uh, yeah. So uh, I think he's, he's great. I think um, he is super cool. Again, yeah. perfect casting. Mads Mikkelsen is just this oh, yeah. formidable power. He just sort of radiates this doom and menace. And it's wonderful. And I almost, I think that potentially they overdid his styling a little bit. The blood eye, an asthma pump, yeah. 
a scar. <laughs> the it just I don't think it needed yeah. it. It just his face is enough and his presence. Yeah, you're right. It's just so it's menacing. He could have carried it off, and it, but and super cool as well. Like the way he sat at the table, yeah. uh, playing cards, yeah. and he's looking. Yeah. yeah, just yeah. with a little click, 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 click. I mean, whenever I watched it, it was like uh, Iceman in Top Gun, the first one. Sat yeah, there, yeah. And they're eyeballing each other, and he's just got his pen, and he does this. Yeah, Gilmer does this weird thing with his pen. It just looks really cool. It is. It's that masculinity, isn't it? Trying to show you your strength where you can without giving anything away. And no, it's very, it's very well done. I do think that the casino scene. Uh, I think Felix could have been in it a bit more. That was one of the. I'm, I'm glad he. In to be fair, in No Time to Die. I did think that was his best. Well, it was his longest stint, and the the scenes with him and the other CIA chap at the bar in No Time to Die were a bit more. Oh, this I can buy their friendship now. Yeah. You know, I get this. There, there is there is more banter here. I know he'd only just met him in Casino Royale, but and there's it's because he's not he hadn't been in since Quantum. Yeah, and you 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 know you're asking the audience to thirteen years <coughs> on buy, buy this banter. Is it really thirteen years between? Yeah, yeah. From Quantum and No Time to Die. Yeah. Bloody hell. But he was good. He's well cast. Yes, yes. He's a he's terrific more likeable. And again, it's just that thing yeah, you want more from him. You just want to hear. Yeah, yeah. just want more screen time. He could have had a few chats maybe after their initial conversation. You're right, mate. How are you doing? Yeah. Do you want a drink? <laughs> <laughs> so where where is it in your rankings? Though? I had a look the other day just to, uh, just to think, just to see. And... In the yep. sorter that oh, yeah. uh, that ranks these things for us, it's about middle. Oh right, okay. sort of sort of upper middle. So sort of thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Oh, that, I've never heard that. So it's outside of the Is top. That, it's I outside think... the top ten, but it's sort of yeah. solid up there. And it didn't really move from the first time I did it to then a couple of years later when I did it again. It was still in the same place. So. Okay, but you know, mid-tabled, it sounds no oh, mediocre. No, no, we love all these. <laughs> oh, absolutely! It it's mean, a solid. It's a solid middle ground, and you know that's a good, safe place to be. Because it has, it always now wins. Usually, the, the these polls of of Bond fans as the best one, doesn't it? It seemed when they did the the one a couple of years ago on Twitter, where everybody sent in the rankings, and I thought maybe. Honor Majesty's would be only the one who might be able to topple it, possibly from Bush with Love. I think they might have been the top three. Yeah. And this, and again, you know, you could say those those three are all the more serious Fleming and in inverted commas. Yeah. Uh, but but it's quite interesting, isn't it? I, know, I don't. I think if you ask the general public, I think Skyfall is far more popular with the general public than Casino Royale. And I know it was at the box office and everything, but I think. I don't know. It stood the test of time, and we've seen the numbers, haven't we, that have been very strong for it. The bit's been the most popular, yeah. but I, I think Skyfall will be even more popular in years to come. Even more people. Well, it's uh, yeah. No, no, on this run, on this bond on the big screen run, I think it will be. Oh yeah, certainly in in this run, it's more and more people are going yeah. because they're the most recent films. I think. Yeah, I prefer Casino Royale. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, sort of in general, if you talk to the sort of general public about sort of Bond rankings, I think Casino Royale is definitely up there because so many people have seen it and it still gets such yeah. a large amount of airtime. Certainly, its original cinematic release was very strong. When it came out on Blu-ray, everyone, yeah. everyone had a copy of it. Yeah. It's almost, and it, you know, 
Harry will say he was annoyed because it wasn't in the same. It wasn't in the same Bond collection thing because it's no, it's nothing to do. It's a new. It's thing. an extra. Yeah, yeah. I think Harry, <laughs> Harry had the Bond DVDs lined up on the. Oh, wall. is that the one with the uh, yeah. where the spines all? Yeah, it's so nice. But then he had the Casino Royale in it, just with all the normal films in the normal film. <laughs> he was being very cheeky. But, um, <laughs> Infuriating. Yeah, under C, didn't it? Let's it, yes. So yeah, so it's had the, so it's had this sort of good a good cinematic release, a great Blu-ray release. And now you turn on ITV3, oh. it's always on. So why is it, it is, not? It? Yeah, it, everyone. It's not a Sunday afternoon Bond, but it's always on. Yeah, yeah you are right. I'll, I'll just, I've got to tell you this. So I said I need to tell you a funny story that happened at the cinema. <laughs> so I got there. It was at Rochdale, where I've I've only seen Love and Let Die before, and it's great. It's an Odeon. You get there, Mrs. Harris Paris wasn't on, unfortunately. During the trailers, I, I was basically trying to post that I was there for the, the socials and I was just about to, I'd done most of it and then there's no signal whatsoever. So I was like, the film had started and I was like, oh, I can't, I, I need to just press, please, but you know, yeah. like this. So I had I was one of those annoying guys who had the phone out and I didn't want to go out because I was like, I can't miss this. And then I just got a tap on my shoulder, these two guys like, can you either put your phone away or can you sit somewhere else? So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was so stunned. And I was like, to be fair, they're probably right. You know, to be fair. So I sort of passively aggressively just sort of ran in the seat behind them and sat behind them for the entirety. <laughs> <laughs> but after my shock had subsided, I thought, you know, it was fairly, you know, I think it was a guy and his dad who's fairly old. I thought, bless them, you know, they've come to watch this Bond film, the Bond fans. So at the end of them, I went, I went up to them and said, I'm really sorry about that. That was poor form. I, don't, I agree. I don't like people messing about. I explained I was just trying to send this uh -huh. thing. And they were really nice. And we had a great chat about the film. They'd been to every single one in, at the same cinema. Excellent. We'd seen all of them. Yeah, told them about the podcast. So. Did you record them for the podcast? Do they? I didn't know. No, I thought that would be a bit too... <laughs> I was overly nice with them, though. And I, I, hope, I hope they're listening. And I, I, guys, I apologise once yeah. more. You, you were in the room. There you are. They, they were definitely... <laughs> they were, but I think we're all friends. Good. And then there was another guy who randomly posted on the picture to say, "Yeah, how how weird was it that?" After, and yes, during the last scene, the very last scene, the name is Bond, James Bond. The lights went up. Oh, oh the lights went up. It was so annoying. Yeah. And this, so this guy posted, didn't know that I'd been at the screening, and he said, "Yeah, at our one in Rochdale, it was so annoying. The lights went up." I was like, "What are the chances? I was there as well." <laughs> and, he, and he's like, well, "Yeah, what are the chances? I didn't know that." And so, what the, the, the Rochdale screening? He, this guy didn't follow us, never heard of us. Com for some reason, commented on this, and yeah, he, he so that was another per because I, I think there were only about five of us there. <laughs> so <laughs> you should have all sat together and had a nice old, <laughs> yeah, yeah. nice old time. And I, I've forgotten that there's a reprise of the "You Know My Name" in the end credits. Yes, yeah. because we were saying it's a shame that the they've lost the second song at the end. Because you know, for "World Is Not Enough," it would have been only myself to blame. But it was a bit of a downer, yeah. wasn't it? I, I love the song. I love the song, but I, it, it wouldn't have been right at all at the end. Of the end. <laughs> Christmas comes once a year. <laughs> then. I knew <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. They should, they should do another song, surely, if they're going to have one in the end credits. It's a great chance for a new Bond song to, to go in. But I, lo I love the song, by the way. I absolutely love it. Oh, uh, You Know My Name. 
is yeah an absolute banger yeah i oh, so i must good. admit i was never really keen on it and then recently it's gone up in my estimation and certainly last night watching it yeah as i said going from black and white into color and the really strong guitar and just Oh. Yeah, it was really, really good. And it's upbeat, and it's the only real... Okay, we have the, the duet afterwards, the Quantum of Solace, ah, but... Magnificent. It, at least, yeah, yeah. I know we discussed that, but it, it just... I just prefer those, you know, because everybody has a downer on Moonraker, For Your Eyes Only, All Time High, because they're a bit, you know, they're just ballads, aren't they? You know, we and then when it gets to View to a Kill, yes. Yet, the last three have been dreary ballads, and everyone, everyone loves, loves it. it. yeah. I say everyone loves them. I don't, I don't think everyone loves the Sam Smith. <laughs> I actually don't. I, I find it funny, so I now like it. No. The... No. I, I, I did catch a clip of it on the radio the other day. I was just like, yeah, this really. Oh, really? This really is bad. It's It, it just. But yes. It's, it, as you say, dreary is the word. <laughs> Having said that, derivative. Mentioning Moonraker, oh. I think, and this may be controversial, but I think the disco version at the end of Moonraker. Is the superior, oh, superior oh. version, and if someone could lay that track over the opening titles for me and put that on Twitter, please, that would be yeah, that would be magnificent. I love them both. You are right, though, but at least you get a different version of it at the end, and it's a bit more upbeat. Isn't yeah. It? Well, down of the day, we have the silly dance version of a dance song, yeah. <laughs> which is dated a lot. I, I I love the original, as we've said, but. Uh, that version was a bit too too, much. too far for me. <laughs> so great, Chris. Are you going to bother watching Quantum of Solace? Or you... oh, I will. I will. I think I will. Now I've yeah. seen this, and it's certainly take it as a part two to Casino Royale, yeah. not as a Bond film in its own. Yes, absolutely. As a description, maybe doing it a disservice, but certainly if you watch one after the other, it really works. Watch it on its own as a yeah. standalone, and you're oh, and it's too clunky. What's going on? Who are all these people? It, yeah. No, it, as a as a as a part two, it's really really good. And it'll be interesting to see this Daniel Craig journey one week after the other with an actual. Okay, Skyfall departs a bit, but the other it's all in the same sort of world and the same story like threads running through. And it'll be good to you know I've I've only I've seen No Time to Die twice at the cinema, but I haven't seen it since. So it'll be weird that the third time I see it will be again at the cinema. <laughs> You've only ever seen it at the cinema. We'll have to do a series, No Time to Die, on the small screen <laughs> for once. I don't think it'll get any better smaller. That's what she said. Just saying on the on the, the run of the things, though, that Spectre takes sort of a, 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 a Skyfall, sorry, takes a step apart. We've had that before because yeah. Dr. No leads into... From Russia with love, the movie. Yeah, you know, okay. Blofeld says, "Oh, we need to take revenge on Bond." Yeah, and he mentions Jamaica. Yeah, I think, doesn't he? Our man, our man yeah. in Jamaica, and then yeah. for Goldfinger, it is a completely standalone thing. Yeah. So it would have been great. If, no, no, that's a standalone. It would have been great if they'd have just left Skyfall as a standalone, rather than yeah, retrofitting and shoehorning it. Ah, because it works for Mister White and it works for the Sheaf. And it works for Dominic yeah. Green. Just, yeah, right, that's it. Just leave it. Just leave it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Silver's motivations are completely personal. It's, it's just ridiculous. Anyway, that isn't Skyfall's fault, as I, as I keep saying. And it isn't Casino Royale's fault where we end up at the end of No Time to Die. No. 
but it is Purvis and Wade's fault. <laughs> <laughs> and there is a special layer level in Dante's Hell waiting for them. <laughs> but I think uh, that's a story for another time. <laughs> it is. Maybe by the end of these five, I'll be ready to forgive them. Who knows? You're, you're a more forgiving man than I. <laughs> you did the world is not enough and die another day. So yeah, there is some good in them. <laughs> but that was a very, very long time ago. It is. We're getting old. Yeah. Superb, Chris. I'm glad you've enjoyed it. And we will move on to Quantum of Solace. I think we're going to get a very mixed bunch of uh, reviewers for that one, compared to this one anyway. But I, I think it's getting it's getting a lot of love on, on Twitter, and it's being reappraised. So I'm really I'm hoping for more of the same from the fans. So do we think Quantum of Solace is going to have the same sort of mixed bag reappraisal as Die Another Day? Die Another Day was way more positive than people sending their thoughts. Yeah. And maybe that is because... I don't want to send in 10 minutes of me ragging on it and saying how pathetic it is. The people, I suppose, who are passionate about it are going to want to tell yeah. us. I think nobody was. It's like if you've made the effort to go and watch Dying of the Day at the cinema, you must you can't hate it. Unless you're just a completist who has to, you know, has to see them all, and, which is well, fair enough. As you say, a completist or a sadist? A sa- <laughs> <laughs> both. Bit of, bit of both, yeah. <laughs> Hello? Mr. White, we need to talk. Who is this? James Bond. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.